It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. $2.2 trillion. That is the estimated size of the global crypto market. It's so big... Regulators and the mainstream finance industry cannot ignore it. Back in 2017, when my guest today first started buying into Bitcoin, few people even knew what it was. Six, seven years ago, my, my life collapsed. I got divorced, my company went bust, my mum died, like everything was rubbish. And uh, I was two weeks away from losing my house. And uh, I start a podcast and I'm interviewing a president and there's, there's no way of even trying to understand how this has all happened. Peter McCormack, it's fair to say, is a Bitcoin expert. He may not have been the earliest investor on the bandwagon when it first appeared back in 2009, yet since then he has become one of the currency's leading voices, sharing the highs and lows of his own investment journey through his weekly podcast, What Bitcoin Did. The show is one of the hottest podcasts in the finance world and has soared in popularity, along with the price of the cryptocurrency that it's focused on. However, for Peter, investing in crypto has not been a one-way ticket to riches. He's made and lost millions along the way. That initial year in 2017, I think I invested around, I don't know, say it was $30,000. Uh, and by, by the end of that year, I'd grown that to uh, close to $1.5 million and and then uh, proceeded to lose most of it again, just by not really understanding the market at all and just thinking I was a genius. On the podcast today, Peter explains why he's adopted a buy and hold strategy, or should I say, buy and hodl, and what he learned on his recent trip to El Salvador, the first country to make Bitcoin legal tender. Peter was there to see it happen. He's also got lots of practical tips about how crypto investors can keep their assets secure and avoid being hacked. Consider everyone a scammer. Just think everyone is a scammer and protect yourself. If you're curious about crypto, then keep listening. But be warned, we're in for a wild ride. Welcome to Money Clinic, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. Before we kick off this investment masterclass, a word of warning. We're going to be talking about investing in cryptocurrencies, a volatile, unregulated asset class that is extremely high risk. In fact, financial regulators in the UK have warned, if you invest, prepare to lose all of your money. However, they cannot deny that plenty of people, including my guest today, have made lots of money speculating on Bitcoin and other coins. But Bitcoin 
doesn't have a complaints department. If you invest in crypto, there's no protection if things go wrong. Hacking, scams and fraud are worryingly common and prices can swing wildly. Nevertheless, the investment world is divided between those who think that Bitcoin is the equivalent of digital gold and those who think it's just a gigantic bubble. Personally, even I am not sure which. For full transparency, I do hold a small amount of Bitcoin in my own portfolio, and PISA, as you're going to hear, holds considerably more. So sit back and enjoy the ride. But remember, while we discuss trading Bitcoin on this podcast, this is not in any way intended as an endorsement or as an investment recommendation. So how did Peter get into Bitcoin? The reason I got into Bitcoin was um, uh, back in 2013, one of my friends came around my house and said, he's found this new website, it's called The Silk Road, and you can buy weed on it. Uh, to, <laughs> to which I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it's, it's like Amazon, but you can, they can buy all tr- different types of drugs. Before the FT's lawyers freak out, we are not condoning buying illegal drugs. But this experience is kind of crucial to Peter's story. To use this website to, to buy your weed, you, you had to have this thing called Bitcoin. So uh, I bought some Bitcoin and I used the Silk Road website. And uh, yeah, I was a little bit blown away by it all. But, but at that point, I hadn't really thought about Bitcoin itself. It wasn't until then, 2017, uh, when my mother was uh, sick. She was sadly, she was died from cancer. And we wanted to get her a treatment of cannabis oil. And uh, so I said to my dad, hey, I know about this website we can get it from. So I bought some more Bitcoin. And, but this time, um, I decided to actually continue looking at the subject. And it's fair to say that Bitcoin transformed Peter's life. Whilst between jobs, he invested some money in it, then started a podcast about it and became hooked, clearly drawn in by its subversive, anti-establishment nature. There have been previous attempts at creating a cryptocurrency, the idea that you could create a form of money that could not be controlled by the state or any uh, individual or, or small group of people. The idea being that we increasingly have uh, poor privacy around money. The banks have essentially had surveillance uh, uh, outsourced to them by by the state. Uh, and the government also has the ability to print money at will to solve their problems. And that really is that inflation is a shadow tax to pay for government mistakes. Punchy views from PISA, who's clearly not a fan of our current monetary system, but as inflation rises... He does have a point. What Bitcoin managed to do is pull together all the pieces of the jigsaw that were needed to create a decentralised form of money. Um, And decentralisation is is the important component which separates Bitcoin from a lot of other different crypto projects. Uh, So I I tend to explain Bitcoin as uh, the best money that's ever existed. The reason decentralisation is important is you don't want anyone to be able to switch this network off. If, if you're going to subvert state money, it has to be something that can operate without any centralised control. According to Peter, putting your money in a conventional savings account is a mugs game. Well, I want Bitcoin myself for, for one main reason, in that uh, I'm speculating on it being the best form of money and uh, any form of savings that I have are going to be debased by the state we've got 3.2% inflation at the moment. But if you hold any money in a bank account, you're probably not even getting 0.1% interest at the moment. 
So your, your money is just losing purchasing power over time. Peter doesn't have any conventional investments like a stocks and shares ISA or a company pension. He owns a house, but the rest is all in Bitcoin. That is a really high risk approach because, lesson number one, cryptocurrencies are an incredibly volatile asset. Peter, you have hodled your way to quite a considerable Bitcoin fortune over the years. Well, I have and I've lost it and then I've gained it and then I've lost it. <laughs> As is the way with uh, investing in Bitcoin and crypto, it, it can be quite volatile. And when you first get in, it's you're very much controlled by the emotions of, of fear and greed. So that initial year in 2017, I think I invested around, I don't know, say it was $30,000. Uh, and by by the end of that year, I'd grown that to uh, close to 1.5 million, and and then uh, proceeded to lose most of it again, uh, uh, just by not really understanding the market at all, and just thinking I was a genius. Uh, but really, back in 2017, you could buy any crypto asset and and make money. Having got burned, Peter decided to stop trading in and out of Bitcoin. Now he follows a buy and hold strategy. I believed in Bitcoin being the best form of money that exists and that uh, I would put uh, as much of my personal and business profits into Bitcoin and just ho- hold it over the years. And yeah, that, I mean, it's changed my financial position. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm gloriously wealthy, but I'm, I'm in an okay position. But it's one of these weird things. You never feel rich because you never really want to spend it. Uh, Bitcoin changes your spending habits. He doesn't want to sell any of his Bitcoin as he's betting the price will continue to rise. However, he makes the odd exception. My son turned 17 because he was very helpful. <laughs> he's been very instrumental in, in building my career. Um, when he turned 17, I, I sold half a Bitcoin to buy him a car. Peter says that the trend of buying and holding Bitcoin is actually bringing about a savings culture in places where the currency is being more widely used. He has recently spent quite a bit of time in El Salvador, which in September became the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. Well, this is a great guy who lives down in the village. Um, he's about 60 and he'd managed to save enough money in his Bitcoin over a couple of years to have his teeth done and now he's buying a cow. This brings me to lesson number two in our masterclass. Should we think about Bitcoin as being a form of currency that can be spent or an investment that could increase in value over time. To start this one off, I wanted to speak to the FT's resident crypto queen, our markets editor, Katie Martin. Katie has noticed how even seasoned investors have started to buy into the Bitcoin story this year. This has definitely been a breakthrough year for crypto. It's everywhere. You can barely walk around the streets without seeing an advert for a crypto exchange or for some sort of crypto investment idea you know it's just really caught the public attention and there is definitely more institutional interest from big investment houses Um, quite a few of the investment banks have declared that they are at the very least crypto curious yet at the same time people also want to spend bitcoin el salvador of all places decided that it would adopt bitcoin as an official currency in in September. It hasn't been an entirely smooth process, but this is something that they want to have people spending for, I don't know, buying their petrol or getting some eggs from the shop or whatever it is. They want crypto to be a way to do that. 
should you use Bitcoin to buy eggs or hope that in time it could bring you home some serious bacon? Now, there are investment professionals, you know, Kathy Wood, she runs um, the ARK investment product mm. in the States. She is without question the most kind of exciting, captivating investor in the States at the moment. She's got a huge following. She thinks that the price of Bitcoin is heading to $500,000. To the moon! Quite literally to the moon in, in five years. Um, a couple of days after she said that, recently, Ray Dalio, founder of, of Bridgewater, said, that's just complete rubbish. Mm. It's just not going to happen. And the the, the kind of... The real kind of puzzle at the center of, of crypto is either it really is going to $500,000 or it's a currency that you can use to buy your eggs and your Tesla cars and all the rest of it. It can't be both. And the crypto industry has not yet come up with a good way to square that circle. So will Peter be buying his eggs with Bitcoin? So for me, it's a store of value, Claire. I hold Bitcoin to mm. store value. But when I was down in El Zonte uh, recently in El Salvador, I didn't have any dollars on me. There's no cash machine. So I was using some Bitcoin I have uh, on my phone in, in a lightning wallet to, to buy coffee, to buy breakfast, to buy dinner. So I was using it as a medium of exchange there. However, Peter's trip to El Salvador has shown him how the country hopes to benefit from choosing Bitcoin over the conventional banking system. In El Salvador, 70% of people do not have a bank account, but they now can get a Bitcoin wallet. And on that Bitcoin wallet, they can hold either Bitcoin or dollars. And that becomes really important when you think of the remittance market. Uh, Three million Salvadorans live in the US and they move to the US to earn money to send back to their family at home. And uh, a Salvadoran father sat on his couch in the US, can finish work and and send $10 to his son to a wallet sat on his couch in El Salvador. People are able to essentially get uh, uh, banking services on their phone using Bitcoin. This idea of a global digital currency is an exciting one, not least because it could save us all money. If I go out to the US, if I want to use my debit card to buy a cup of coffee, that say that for for dollars that has to come from my UK bank account as pounds and get into their bank account as dollars so there's and there's a number of, uh, of different hoops that has to jump through and, yeah. and, and friction friction and people have to be paid along the way whereas if I go to El Salvador and I pay with Bitcoin I hold that Bitcoin when I pay them they hold that Bitcoin it's instant uh, final settlement uh, at, at close to zero cost El Salvador may have embraced Bitcoin, but other countries are much more hostile, notably China, which has mounted a huge crypto crackdown, recently banning Chinese citizens from using crypto exchange platforms. China, China's a weird place. I don't think I ever want to go there. They have social credit scores. that They don't have a functioning democracy. And they now want to launch a central bank digital currency. And I think we're heading into this very scary place whereby your money and your behaviour can be controlled by the state. And why is China doing this? It wants its own digital currency to be dominant. With the weight of central banks and regulators behind them, some argue that CBDCs, not cryptocurrencies, are the future of money. For investment lesson number three, I asked Katie and Peter 
to explain this important tension. Someone gave me two pound coins today. They're the first pound coins I've held in my hand for quite a lot of time. You know, we pay for everything on phones and cards and whatever these days. And and there is a really good argument for updating the whole of the kind of plumbing behind how money works into making it much more electronic and creating these central bank digital currencies, these CBDCs. Yeah, CBDCs. CBDCs. Sounds really cool. Um, it sounds cool if you're a central banker. Um, you know, that's a way for them to kind of update how fiat currencies, how normal currencies work. This is a big risk to crypto because one of the supposed benefits of cryptocurrencies, quote unquote, is that you can transfer them instantaneously. I'm debited and you're credited at the same time. And there's a ledger, there's a, a record of all these transactions. Actually, a lot of this stuff could be done by normal currencies issued by central banks. They could take the best ideas. They could, I mean, you know, that's capitalism. Mm. Um, <laughs> they they could definitely do that. And that would really undermine the case for for crypto as a currency. Would it remove the temptation for people to dabble around in something they can make some money out of? Probably not. Even so, Peter is not a fan of CBDCs, as he thinks they're pretty much the opposite of what Bitcoin is all about. They don't share any of the cool features that Bitcoin has, which mean, you know, which is permissionless, decentralized, with hard cap supply and censorship resistant. What they are is uh, an ultimate form of control by the government. To, to move away from cash means every single transaction can be uh, tracked. And, and depending on where you live, your transactions can be used against you. Um, but also, even kind of scarier situation is that you can get negative interest rates in your wallet or you can have your money switched off. So say you did something that the state doesn't like, as we have seen in China, they will punish people with a social credit score. You can't get on airplanes if you are misbehaving. They could stop your money. So this gives the government the ultimate form of control. We've talked about pricing volatility, whether Bitcoin should be viewed as a currency or a store of value, and the future threat posed by CBDCs. You can make your own minds up about whether you still want to invest, but if you do, I picked Peter's brains about how investors can minimise their risks. Peter, if you had to give some tips to younger listeners on this podcast who are thinking maybe about getting involved in Bitcoin or in crypto for the first time, what would you say? Well, look, I would say, firstly, it's about a, a culture of saving and a, a culture of building up your the assets and the value you hold. So I, I would say, first, first and foremost, before you invest in this, firstly, get a job. Make sure you've got a job and a good, secure income, and then make a decision about what percentage of that you want to put into savings. Next, do your research. Go and understand what Bitcoin is, why it's important, why the 21 million coin hard cap is important and, and the role that, that people who um, support Bitcoin think it can play in society. There's a link in today's show notes to an article called The Bullish Case for Bitcoin that Peter recommends, plus some further reading from the pages of the FT. Peter's next tip is that you don't try to trade, trying to profit rapidly by buying and selling. I recommend most people don't try and be a trader, don't try and outperform the market. Something like 95% of people try to do that uh, lose. And don't forget, every time you trade, crypto platforms will charge you a transaction fee. What's next? Uh, if you must trade, please don't use leverage. If you borrow to buy and the price rises, you've boosted your profit. But borrow to buy and the price falls, 
you'll end up owing way more than you've gambled. I don't think young people should be uh, borrowing money to leverage investing crypto because it is volatile. It will play with your emotions. Uh, I've spoke to many people who've completely screwed up financially with crypto and lost everything. If you're happy to take a long-term view, Peter suggests you consider investing little and often, just like you would with conventional investments. We, We have this term called stacking sats, which basically means just buy Bitcoin and secure it and hold it and just keep adding to that stack and give yourself a long-term trajectory. If I'd have done that from 2017, I'd probably be five times richer than I am now. Uh, and I've tried every, I've tried trading and mining and all kinds of things. Peter suggests wannabe crypto investors should start with Bitcoin, as it's by far the biggest. But be wary of other coins. If you want to get into crypto, it's a different story. A lot of crypto projects launch, they go up in value very quickly, and they drop in value, and many disappear. Whatever form of crypto you favour... Be hyper aware of scams. Let's let's talk about two types of scams. There are cryptocurrencies, which themselves are scams. The token is a scam. When somebody tells you about, oh, have you heard this new great coin? Yada yada. Get in at the bottom. Yeah, get it in the bottom. Just just be very yeah, be take your time to do your research. As Bitcoin soars in value, people want to steal it. Bitcoin scams are slightly different in that Bitcoin scams are people who are trying to get you either get your money to invest in a Bitcoin project or they're trying to steal your Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is interesting in that it is final settlement. Okay, it's immutable. Claire, if I send you Bitcoin, even by mistake, you you have that Bitcoin. I can't get it back. There's no chargebacks. There's no reversing transactions. Therefore, if somebody tricks you, you might lose your Bitcoin. And the best way to protect yourself get some old-fashioned hardware. You can get yourself a hardware wallet and any Bitcoin you buy, you can put that on your hardware wallet and you can hide that hardware wallet away and you can uh, create a backup of your private key and put that away. Um, but what what might happen is like some people will come to you with ideas or even one of the hardware wallets, you might get an email, a fake email from Ledger saying, oh, you need to update your hardware wallet, plug it in and you have your Bitcoin stolen from you. The, the, the threat model is wide. But even with a good hardware wallet, it's not fail-safe. Listeners may well be familiar with this case. Now, when we talk about hardware wallets, there was that, I don't know whether to say it was funny because it was so dreadful story in the news over the summer about a man who wants to um, dig up a rubbish dump somewhere in the UK because he thinks that a hard drive with his Bitcoin passwords on was accidentally thrown away and is now worth hundreds of millions of pounds. That man was James Howells, who in 2013 threw away a hard drive containing 7,500 bitcoins, which today could be worth a cool £210 million. All the the, the files that I believed I needed were already on my new computer. Um, The drive was in a a drawer on its own. I thought that I'd I'd taken off everything I needed. Um, But yeah, I mean, I didn't take it out. It it stayed in the... uh, in the bin and then came down to the landfill site here with, with the other bags that I brought. You bought the bags down, you threw them in there, didn't think twice before driving off. When did the penny drop that actually what you'd thrown away was worth a fortune? Um, when I started to hear stories um, of you know the Silk Road uh, shut down and obviously other individuals making um, their profits and, and, and their millions, I uh, the penny dropped then, you know, that I had seven and a half thousand bitcoins um, on a hard drive that I'd thrown out a few months ago. Yeah, that guy, he, he, he comes up every cycle because the bitcoin he threw away is worth like 
even more. I think the first time it was tens of millions, now it's hundreds of millions. I think he even made an offer to to the local council that he would give a percentage of it if he, if they could recover it. So what can you do to keep your crypto safe? When you talk about the password, what it actually is, is something called a private key. So the private key is what allows you to spend your Bitcoin. It's a long string of characters. Uh, the way the wallets work is they turn that into a string of words, 24 words. Peter's key warning, don't store this private key on anything connected to the internet, because that way it could be hacked and stolen. What you do is when you create a wallet, you get a little piece of paper or you get a metal device, there's specific metal devices for this now, where you create a log of those words and you find somewhere to go and hide it. I can't tell you what the price of Bitcoin will do next, but hopefully the information and tips on this episode will help you to evaluate all the options and keep yours safe if you choose to invest. That's it for Money Clinic's Investment Masterclass this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, spread the word and leave us a review. And if you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show, please get in touch. You can email me, our address is money at ft.com, or DM me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced in London by Claire Williamson. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner, and the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That is the small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye.